Well, our text this morning is John chapter 20. If you have a Bible or some kind of device to turn to that, I invite you to do that. John chapter 20. During the war between the states, a certain Captain Clark and his men were surrounded by Confederate soldiers. They refused to surrender, and their detachment was almost completely decimated. Captain Clark was missing in action, presumed dead. His family was sent word of this, and they sent word back requesting that his body be returned. As it turns out, Captain Clark was not dead. He was hiding behind southern lines, and after after several days of hunger and exposure, he was able to get back across the line to the Union forces, report back to Union headquarters just in time to answer his family's request. His brief message in response was, still have use for the body, will bring it back in person. (laughs) How shocked his family was to receive that message. How shocked we will see today the followers of Jesus to see him after his resurrection. John chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Side note, that was John because he was the youngest of disciples, so he could run faster. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went to the tomb. They saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides now and forever. May he bless the reading of it today. I want to talk this morning about the resurrection and what difference it makes. As I said in my prayer, millions of people, perhaps over a billion people, all around the world today in different time zones, in different times, are all meeting today to celebrate this singular event the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine in their wildest dreams any of the people that were around him and followers of him thinking that one day that this would happen all around the world. Indeed, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is the, is the pivot point of history. We even divide our calendar into B.C. and A.D. So what's the, what, what's the big deal? What's so important? Well, there, in 1 Corinthians 15, which is not where I'm going to go, but, well, I guess I am for a moment, um, Paul makes this argument about the importance of the resurrection. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless 
and so is your faith. And I would say my preaching is, <laughs> sometimes you may think that anyway, but it's useless and so is your faith. Verse 17 from the same chapter. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Not only is my preaching worthless, you're still in your sins. Paul says, and points out very succinctly there in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, that the resurrection of Jesus is the linchpin. Everything hinges on it. Everything hinges on this. If you take the time to look, there's over a hundred references in the New Testament to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, in this argument that Paul makes there, he makes it very clear that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have nothing to believe in. There's nothing to preach. The martyrs are dying in vain, and all the money that we spend on missionaries and Christian ministry has been thrown away, and anything that's called Christian is just a waste of time, and we might as well go take the sign down out on the street, and I'll just go home if there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ. But verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15 says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's first, but he's not the last. There's going to be a great resurrection in the end of time to be with God. Some of you may be skeptics. You may be sitting out there thinking, well, did it really happen? Is this just something that somebody made up and put in a book because they could? That's a fair question. I think we have to go back and look at the history of this. And some of you may have already seen the case for Christ. I hope you went to see that if you hadn't. I hope you do with Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel argues that perhaps the greatest proof is the fact that the disciples of Jesus were martyred for preaching the resurrection. And he said this, people will die for their religious beliefs if they sincerely believe they're true. But people won't die for their religious beliefs if they know they are false. Think about that. People may die for something foolish if they think it's true, but nobody would die for something that they knew was wrong and it was false and it was not true. Let me continue on. While most people can only have faith for their, that their beliefs are true, the disciples were in a position to know without a doubt whether or not Jesus had risen from the dead. They claimed that they saw him, talked with him, and ate with him. If they weren't absolutely certain, they wouldn't have allowed themselves to be tortured to death for proclaiming the resurrection happened. End of quote. I think that's, that's a pretty tight argument. I think there's a lot of logic in that. And that's not just made up stuff. Those are historical facts that the disciples did die for their faith. And you know, you may think something's true, but if you know it's not true, absolutely know it's not true, you would never die for that. No, he rose from the dead. He really did. And because he's alive, it's huge. And you have an insert in your bulletin today. I want to talk about three things today. Number one, because Jesus is alive, he can offer us life. You see, Jesus Christ is in the same business that he was in 2,000 years ago. He's, he's just stayed in the same business. Now, some people flop around and 
do different things. Jesus is in the same business. He is still in the business of giving people life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And you know, we need an abundant life. I was thinking about this at... Uh, you know, some people think that Christianity is that God's gonna, God has come to make your life miserable and to just dump a lot of rules and regulations on you. Um, and how people really want a life. In fact, if you watch commercials on TV, they kind of be centered around people happy and smiling like, if you want to have real life, buy our product, you know? Uh, you know, drink our beverage, eat our food. That's real life. But you know, and I know lots of people who aren't living. They get up in the morning. They go to work, they come home, they eat dinner, they watch TV or get on their devices, whatever it is, your device of choice. Then they get up the next morning and do it again. And they kind of live for the weekend, hoping that the weekend break will be a little bit better from the drudgery of their lives. Jesus said, I came to fix all that. He said, I came to give you life because hear me I don't believe you're fully living unless you really know God have him in your heart and know that you're living with a meaning and a purpose in this world and and, and then I run into people that are always going to live you know well you know when my life slows down when I have a little more time when I retire when I get around to it I'm going to do this and that and they kind of live forever and I've even seen people die who are still waiting to live. The word life is another word that's used all through the New Testament. Over 200 times, Jesus said that, you have, that I have come that you might have life. In John 3, when he was talking with Nicodemus, he was talking about this full life, and there's John 3.16, which we all know, but John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his, world, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, the, the plan of God is not condemnation. The plan of God is always to bring life and to bring hope and to bring meaning and purpose. It's not original to me, but somebody has said it well, that, that guilt is, is real. But Jesus didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. I like that. He came to rub it out. I think a lot of people have the conception that if you give your life to Christ, then he'll restrict you to living in this narrow little place. If you've got to do this and don't ever do this, and now that you've given your life to me, I've been waiting for that, and I'm going to make your life miserable. And I was thinking about how to illustrate it, and I have a picture. Um, these are my two sons uh, from almost 30 years ago now. They're both married and have children of their own that are probably about that big. Yeah, probably are. You know, you know, if Brad and Ben had come to me one day and said, well, Dad, I, I really love you, and I, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do, and I'm not going to do what you tell me not to do. You know, you know what I'd have said? I'd have said to them, I said, this is the day I've been waiting for. I'm going to make your life so miserable. You're going to do math problems five hours a day. Sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> you're going to eat Brussels sprouts every day. You know, you're going to, you, you know, I, I just wouldn't do that. I'd say, wow, 
how can I make your life great? How can I make your life? Why wouldn't I want my son's lives to be great? And my love for my sons, which is great, is just a shadow. Just a shadow of the Father's love for us. No, Jesus said, my purpose is to bring you the best life you can ever know. The second thing, because Jesus is alive today, number two, not only does he give us life, he gives us power. You know, everybody wants power. All the best sellers deal with power. You know, how to get power, how to use power, how to keep power. You know, dress for power, eat for power, shower for power, power lunch. Everything's about power. Jesus said power is available. It says this in Ephesians 1.20. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, there's a contemporary song about that right now. The same power lives in us. The same power lives in us. So the same power, you know, as we think back to the miraculous events of the resurrection of Jesus, that same power is in us. And I don't know, I don't know where you, this may be a real struggle today, you feel like you're stuck somewhere in your life. Something's, something's broken, something's amiss, something, the cogs aren't fitting together. You know, maybe, it, maybe it's your work life, maybe it's your family life, maybe it's it's something emotionally inside of you that you can't even give words to. Everything seems to be falling apart. You, you feel kind of like Humpty Dumpty that all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put you back together again, but God can. I believe in the power of God. I believe that he gives us the power that we need, whether it's in our, in our, in our business lives, in our, in our marriages, in parenting, in relationships, dealing with the struggles that, that come your way. I believe that God gives us starting power, and I think he also gives us what we might call staying power, that we can persist and keep going. And I tell you, we listen, you need this. Everybody's got something hard, you know? Everybody's got a struggle. You, you talk to somebody that's here today long enough, and they're going to tell you they've got a struggle. And if you're saying, I don't have a struggle, hang around. <laughs> hang around, you'll get one. Uh, one will come your way. You, you don't have to go look for it. You know, you don't have to look for it. Don't pray for patience. It'll come your way. Don't worry. You'll have something... I never, I heard people talk about, I prayed for patience and I had all these difficulties. I thought, man, I'm not going to pray for patience. They still came my way. But, pers you know, persistence really works. <laughs> not like this. I read about the guy who, who was uh, trying to tell his, talk his girlfriend into getting married. He's, he was trying to, and so every day for 47 days, he sent her a special delivery letter for 47 days and on the 48th day it worked <laughs> she married the mailman <laughs> not that kind of persistence but persistence really works so hear me today because Jesus is alive he's promised us real life 
You know, I, 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 think this, I think we miss this sometimes. I think sometimes people think all it is is drudgery, all of it is getting through, and some of you, life is just wearing you out. It's just wearing you out. And I want to tell you, being in relationship with Jesus Christ and having the fullness of God within us, there is a peace and a purpose and a fulfillment in that that gives a level of meaning that you don't get when you're just living for yourself. I, I, I believe that, I see that, I've experienced that in, in my life. And I believe he gives us power because again, all of us have struggles, all of us have hard things. God gets us through. The third thing I see from the text here is because Jesus is alive, his promises are reliable. Because Jesus is alive, his promises are reliable. There's, there's, as you go on through the New Testament, there's some amazing, incredible promises. And if I could be blunt, a dead Jesus could not guarantee these things. He could not. We read promises like from Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We have a God who is never forsaking. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. You know, people change, circumstances change. God doesn't change. It says in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He is all-sufficient. And then from Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He meets all of our needs. The context is food and clothes and shelter. He meets our needs as we follow him. In fact, he's, he's going to do it. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says he carries out and fulfills all of God's promises no matter how many there are. And there are hundreds, maybe thousands of promises as you go through the Bible. You know, knowing that we have a God that fulfills his promises gives us hope. It gives us hope. And, and hope is, hope's one of my words. I just tell you, hope is a big word. I, I was reading about a study that Cornell University did of POWs from World War II. They studied like 25,000 POWs from World War II. And these were people who went through some of the most inhumane conditions that you can imagine. Uh, torture, mistreatment, malnourishment, all kinds of stress. They came to one conclusion after studying 25,000 POWs. They concluded that men and women can withstand incredible pressure, incredible stress, as long as they have hope. They also found that the moment hope is gone, forget it. You can't live without hope. The good news from 1 Peter 1.3, we have been born again into a life full of hope through Christ rising from the dead. Christ gives us a life full of hope. So I don't know what scares you today. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's what you're going to do with your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue. 
we can stand in a changing world on the unchanging promises of God. Jesus said this in John 5. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has already passed from death to life. This is, this is a great verse because it deals with the most common problem that everybody has, and that's the problem of, of death. You see, death is a universal problem that we have. We don't like to talk about it. In fact, it's almost taboo to talk about death. You know, let's get together and have a you know, a little time around some coffee, we'll talk about death. You know, you just don't, you don't hear people say that. No, they, and you can even talk to people that are older and getting close to that, and you, want, you try to bring up the conversation, and they want to talk about something else. Been there, done that. And I'm like, it's real. It's, it's looming, it's coming. Unless Jesus returns, uh, that'd be fine with me, but unless Jesus returns, we're all going to face it. It's a universal issue. We're all terminal. Did you know that? We're all terminal. But the same Jesus that said to everybody when he met him, I don't know if you noticed in this passage, when he first met him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's like a mantra. Don't be afraid. What did he say in this text? Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has already passed from death to life. So we can talk about the judgment for the things we've done for God and getting rewards for that. That's one thing. But this judgment is talking about the judgment of whether we go to heaven or whether we go to hell. And he says, I can get you by that judgment. You can just pass over that. That's almost as good as you going to class tomorrow. Some of you students and professors said, you got such good grades, you don't have to take the final. You go, yay. God says we don't have to pass a test. We don't have to be judged. We can go straight from this life to the next life. So, life, so it makes death into something entirely different. Until a, instead of it being a hole in the ground, it's a, it's a door that we walk through. It's a transfer into another dimension to heaven, wherever it is, up there, out there, you know, all around us. I don't know. You don't either. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay not to know. God knows. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I'm sure a number of you have heard that verse and you've responded that before. And you've chosen to become a Christian. You see, a Christian is someone who calls Jesus their Lord. Not only do they call him their Lord, he is their Lord. You see, there's a big difference between saying it and it happening in our life. It's when Jesus Christ becomes number one in our lives. He's the boss. He's the manager. He's the CEO. He calls the shot in our lives. He is in charge. That's what it means to be a Christian. And this living Jesus, if you could have this picture in your in your mind, he is, he, is, he is looking at your life and he is knocking at your door and he's saying, I long to be in your life. I long to live with you. So it's, 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 it's not complicated. It's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. As, as I said, some of you have already made this decision, but I'm, I'm guessing some of you here today 
have never made this decision to yield your life to God. Maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't heard about it, I don't know. But it's, but it's not complicated. Um, I started the message today with this whole idea of the resurrection. What difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? And I want to just be totally candid with you. It, it makes absolutely no difference, no difference, if you don't take advantage of the benefit that he has offered to us. It doesn't make any difference to you. And there's no movement unless you take advantage of this. So, to be clear, I, I'm not talking about trying to make you a Baptist or some, some other tag. I don't really care about your religious background. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I've always gone to church and I've always been around Christians. You know, I like what Rick Warren said. He said, a Christian is not somebody who goes to church. Sitting in a church will make you a Christian about as much as sitting in a chicken house will make you a chicken. You say you're born in the church. If you're born in a car, would that make you a spare tire? So, let me, let me see if I can just be as succinct and, and, and logical as I can. God made this world. God made you. He made us with a purpose. He planned our days, it says in Psalm 139, before there were any of them. He did all this knowing that we would all make mistakes and do things that were wrong. The Bible calls that sin. I've sinned. You've sinned. We fall short of our own standards, much, much less God's standards. Jesus Christ is very God. And all these prophecies we had over hundreds of years in the Old Testament, if we could go back and live through that again, were fulfilled in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Literally, God came to earth, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. And in ways that are hard to get our minds around this, this is big, okay? This is big. He took the penalty, the sin penalty, for all of us, for everybody that ever lived, he took upon himself the sins of the world. And he rose again on Easter Sunday. And he proved by doing that that he could promise us eternal life and his promise was good. And he modeled for us life beyond this life. So he offers you life, he offers you power, he offers you his wonderful promises. So where are you today? Where does God need to show up for you? Some of you, as I said, have committed your life to Christ and you're following Christ and today is just your, this is Hallelujah Chorus Day because it's, it's Easter Sunday, it's our day. Some of you have started on that path. You've given your life to Christ but you've gotten on the path of ways and, and somehow your heart has grown cold. Somehow you have wandered. Somehow you're not where you were. You, you need to return to God. You need to bring words to him and return to him as the prophet told us. Some of you have never ever done business with God. Not really. You've been around church. You may have done all the things that church said you were supposed to do. 
You've gone through all, you've checked all the blocks, but you know, you know in your heart of hearts, you're still running your life. You never bowed your knee to Jesus. Not really. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow before Jesus. But, but I believe this, that, that one day it's going to be too late. Because you see, the Bible teaches us that there is one life for us to live, and after this, there is the judgment. So it's in this life that we get to decide. It's in this life we have to decide for Jesus. So let me ask you today, has there ever been a time that you've consciously chosen to cross that line to surrender your life to his control? That's what being born again means. Look on the back of your communication card this morning, if you would. There's a prayer on the back. And if you've never made this commitment, I'm going to pray this prayer out loud in just a moment. And I want you to pray it right where you're sitting. If you've never made this commitment, and that's what you want to do today, is you say, you know, I'm at this, I've, this is my time. This is my place for me to cross the line and yield my life to him. So if that's where you are today, if you would pray this prayer to, with me, if everyone would bow their heads, close their eyes, join with me in prayer. And this, if this is what you need to do, I, I invite you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I realize that I've made mistakes and done things that are wrong. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again to offer me forgiveness today. I'm asking you for forgiveness. I choose to surrender my life to you and to give you control from this day forward. Before I close the prayer, some of you have given your life to Christ, but somehow you've lost your way. And, and, and today's your day to return. You've been mad at God about something. You've been hurt by something that happened in your life. You succumbed to some temptation or some habit, some addiction. And you know that you're not walking with God. Will you ask for his forgiveness for that and return to him today? And just say, Lord, from this day forward, I want to be back in step with you. I want to honor you. I want to walk with you. I want that full life that full life that you promised. Father, I thank you for everyone who did business with you today, and I pray that you would bless them, you would meet them, you would bring everything into their life that they will need to move forward in their step of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer and, and, and you made this decision, then you, you need to move forward with this. And so I would encourage you, you need to be in, in a good Bible teaching church. If you're in our community and you're here, we would love to have you, obviously. But if you're from somewhere else, you need to find a Bible-believing church and seek God and follow God. Uh, if you're here and, and you've made some step and you'd like to talk with someone about moving forward with that, um, anybody on my staff or I would love to to chat with you about that if you did make the commitment on the back of the card today I'd like to know about it there's a basket on the back table if you would are on the 
in the welcome center, there's a basket back there. If you just sign your name and drop it in there for me this morning. Let's stand together for our closing prayer. Oh, it's Easter again, Lord, and we thank you, thank you, thank you for all that it means to us. I thank you for those who did business with you today, and I pray that you will bless them in their new life. For others who return to you that have been wandering, and they realize they've been empty and not flourishing, that they would return to you and that you would bless them in that. Lord, help each of us to know what the next step is for us as we move forward and following you until you return or you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen.